The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Jack Barazzini. Hey, Jack. Hey, Dom. And Thomas Sanherho. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. Folks, before we get into the topic of our show, I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network that I'm sure you'll enjoy called Let's Science. Every other week, Carolyn, Lindsay, and Lino... Tell us about another fun, amazing, cool science topic that's uh, something from the headlines, often from space, but sometimes having to do with dinosaurs. It's a lot of fun, about 15 to 20 minutes at a time. Uh, and they also approach science from that uniquely Catholic point of view. So you definitely want to check that out. It's at uh, sqpn.com slash science or find it wherever fine podcasts are found. So let's talk about our topics today. Uh, the, today we want to talk about uh, our main topic is about car security technology. So not just car technology, that, that may be another topic sometime, but specifically tech for keeping your car safe and secure. Uh, and there's several different elements of it. And so we can almost talk about like layers of security uh, from the outside in. Um, and uh, so there's a, there's a lot of different ways to, to, to secure your car um, from theft and from damage and that sort of thing. So um, maybe let's start outside the car uh, and uh, talk about secure, car security from from being stolen in your out of your driveway, say. Um, and one of the ways to do that is uh, with a security camera. Do, do either of you guys do uh, uh, security home security cameras on the outside of your home? I actually don't have one, no. Yeah, me either. Okay. I have I have ring cameras and I got to say there's a couple of issues you want to keep in mind when when talking about like home security cameras. Um in the 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 big one which you don't really think about is so placement of course is important. You want to be able to see where the cars are, but it's also important to be able to see people approaching the car. So you you get you got to have enough of a wider angle to see it, and it's so the and the camera has to be in a high enough position to kind of see over th- things like the car. Um, but uh, one of the b- important things too is is lighting, and I have a trick with mine, which is which isn't ideal. It's under the eaves uh, of the house, and at night the light from the from the uh, camera itself reflects off the eaves and makes it glare mm. a lot so it's hard it's actually kind of hard to see what's going on a little bit in, in, in some of the areas so um you think when you when you're buying one, you got to think about uh, where you're going to put it and how it the lighting both during both day and night and and that sort of thing so uh that's so you one have to thing. laugh when you say have to laugh when you say see over the car because we have a, a 12 passenger van that's you know yeah. incredibly tall that's what, yeah <laughs> i have a ford transit so yes <laughs> you have to yeah i guess someone approached the van from behind like like it, it was breaking into the back door i'd never see it because right it, uh that's just in you know please don't do that folks that's now that i've said that on my podcast <laughs> but uh and then other things, you know, some video cameras you can get that are just like alert cameras where 
it sees something and it pops up an alert on your phone or your computer, uh, but they don't store video. But you really would w- want to have some sort of cloud storage or if you have like a local network attached storage device, you could store it locally. That's that's often a good thing. Or you can set up uh, like a hard drive with like a Raspberry Pi if you, if you want to, you know, go that route and have the video uh, stored locally. But you want to store video and have it store and not be able to store enough of it that if you go away for a couple of days, you've got that footage there. Um, and then another important one is you want to have a nice sharp picture. You want to be able to see... Who you know the face of the person breaking your car, or maybe see the the their license plate of their car as that's pulled up in front, or those sorts of things, and that can be tricky, especially again at night. Some cameras are have a night mode; others just turn like my camera just turns on a light that, that's built into it, a spotlight. Um, so those are some things to keep in mind. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on on the the camera up front, the surveillance camera front? I think a lot of times, you know, you, you you want a preventive measure and and sometimes the best preventive measure is just to have a motion light, like yeah. not even not even with a camera attached to it, but just having that motion censored light uh, is a good stopgap. So if you if you don't feel comfortable having a camera in your yard or uh, you don't want to hassle with all of it, just putting something that looks like a camera with a motion sensor light on it is not a bad idea. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, someone coming into your driveway and a light comes on could be enough just to deter them and, you know, turn and keep walking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How about you, Jack? I was, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like lighting is going to be a deterrent more than a camera a lot of the times. Like if you, even if you just keep your like garage floodlights on or set them to automatically come on at night, that's usually going to keep people away. Mm. So even if you don't put the camera out, you've got that deterrent there. That's the thing I do. I have um, hue lights on my front, at my front door that come on at sunset and go off at, um, at sunrise. Uh, I just, I know some people, they don't want to waste the electricity overnight, and, mm-hmm. but I just feel like the, the security is outweighs the, the expense. I'm, I'm willing to pay that price to have that a little extra added bit of front door security with that. Mm-hmm. And my, my driveway is right next to my front door. So it's like, it helps with that. So um, yeah, that's a good point too. So moving inward, the uh, the next level is um, for like especially with car surveillance is inside the car. Um, there's a device called the Owl Cam, which is pretty popular. It's a little pricey, I have to admit that up front. But uh, they're they're kind of the, the the as far as I can tell, the one that a lot of people like. That's the best at this. It's an in car outside car. It's an in car camera. So it's it sits. I think it hangs from the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. And it's got mm-hmm. cameras that bo- that look both outside the car, but also inside the car. So, uh, and what makes it different from like a typical dash cam is that traditional dashboard cams work while the car is on. This works while the car is off. So that if someone were to get into your car while it was off, it, it starts recording and it'll alert you. Uh, mm-hmm. I think especially if your phone isn't present or something like that, I think there's a, there's a, uh, a trigger so that it doesn't alert you when it's you. Um, but uh, and I've, I was I was watching what was it? Um, I think it was on the Twit Network. One of the Twit hosts had this happen where somebody got into their like got into their car, someone who wasn't supposed to be in their car got into their car to steal it. And they were able to like, hey, what are you doing in my car? Get out of my car. And they were like, ah, and they kind of ran out of the car. So um, so that's that's another option. 
Um, but again, it stores the uh, video on the, in the cloud. You have certain amounts of storage you get a month, and there's a there's a monthly fee and an expense there. So, you know, you weigh that against you know the likelihood of your car being broken into and stolen, mm-hmm. right? And and the the amount that your car's worth too. <laughs> yes, right. well, that's a big part of all of this is that's, how much you want to spend. Issue, yeah. yeah, right. Those are also good um, in terms of. Uh, keeping a record of traffic accidents. So if you mm-hmm. get into an accident, you have a visual record of if you were at fault or not. If you if you run into an issue where the other person, like where you're not at fault and the other person doesn't want to claim it, you have a visual record where you can point to that. Right. I have a regular dashboard cam that has also a camera out the back. So that looking out the back window so that I get mm-hmm. coverage front and back. So yeah, if someone were to rear end me or someone cut me off and that sort of thing, yeah, you've got that footage now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in Russia, apparently, because YouTube is full of these dash crash videos of I, I yours falling out of the sky. Yeah, like. <laughs> I have this weird obsession with watching these videos of cars crashing <laughs> in Russia. But but apparently, this is a big deal in Russia, like because they don't have good car insurance. So this is the only way for people to prove, you know, this is how this I wasn't at fault. That guy was. So, this is, so it's, they're very popular there. Um, so mm-hmm. that's why a lot of those dashboard cam videos are from Russia <laughs> for some reason. Um, yeah. And I mean, a, a similar one, but at a much higher level is like Tesla has this sentry mode. Like because so, Tesla's have these cameras built in all around it to help it do the auto driving and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But they're cameras. And it once when sentry mode is on, it will detect people approaching from all directions. If someone leans against the car, it'll get set up an alert like, hey, you know, don't lean here. Um, and, and all like it goes like through several different levels of of actions it takes to protect the car. I mean, that's of course, it's Tesla. So, you, you know, you're paying for that. But it's kind of wild. I have a buddy who won't buy a Tesla until he can afford one that has the sentry mode because it's not on the like Model M or whatever the, right. the lowest level model is. It's right. not only on the higher level models. And so he's like, I'm not going to buy one until I can afford that because, you know, that's, <laughs> that's the marker right there. That, that and autopilot. <laughs> yes, I want the autopilot. <laughs> um, but there are all kinds of other like there's also, of course, like the traditional um, kinds of uh, car security technology like uh, car alarms i mean just the typical mm-hmm. you know a lot of cars have car alarms built in as you know as it is but uh others will have um more high tech sorts of so, sorts of uh car alarm uh proximity smart alarms that have to do mm-hmm. with you know your smart home and that sort of thing um but then there's some yeah. uh, older things I, too I, I, I know at this at this point, I know that there's a lot of listeners that are saying, well, I'm OK because my car is an old car. Nobody wants to steal my car. And I'm <laughs> yeah. going to tell you right now that the interesting thing is there's a sweet spot right in the middle. Right. There's like the the really, really expensive cars that are worth trying to beat all of these high tech measures for. Yep. And, and those are going to get stolen more often than some other types of cars. And then the, the cars that are very clearly not secured in some way or another so older cars cars that have physical locks with no uh, indication of uh of a security system at all those are a, an easy target because they're easy to steal and so that sweet spot in the middle where it's just good enough to have like some kind of security system but not worth enough to steal and have to overcome that security system that's where you want to be <laughs> yeah most mm-hmm. most car thefts are not the high-end you know gun in 60 seconds fast and the furious sort of car thefts they're 
regular cars. They mm-hmm. they because the the cars that ha- that there are millions of them on the road and therefore lots of uh uh um opportunity to sell parts. <laughs> right. And that's what's going that's what they want or joyriding. I mean that sort of thing and you know the the they just want they need a vehicle to drive somewhere. So, yeah. And and the fact is is even a small deterrent can be enough. It, mm-hmm. it it's the old adage is, you know, it doesn't have to be you don't have to turn your car into Fort Knox. You just have to make it more difficult to steal than the next car over. Like <laughs> a little bit of the survival of the fittest going on there. But yeah, it's so just enough to 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 safeguard you. I I like the um the the lock uh, locks lock picking lawyers statement on YouTube that locks are there to keep honest people honest. Yeah. And that's kind of kind of the same thing with uh security on your car. It's there to keep people from that temptation of doing something that they that they could do if they wanted to but it's like ah that's just too much effort i'm not going to put that much effort in right right it's the same kind of thing with um if you get like an adt system and you get that little sign you put out in your yard a lot Mm -hmm. of those third-party alarm systems for your cars come with window decals to put on and if you put those decals on nine times out of ten the sticker is going to be what deters people from stealing your car not the actual system itself right or the the blinking red light on the dash or yeah that sort of thing, which I've heard of people installing blinking red lights and that sort of stuff. Just, you yeah. know, just it's just enough. It's just enough. Well, let's talk about some of the other sorts of anti-theft devices you can get, like so from high tech to, to low tech. So there are GPS trackers that you can install. You, they get wired into the to the car wiring system and they're made for car for auto uh, um like LoJack in the old days. I don't even know if mm. LoJack is still a thing. I didn't actually look that up beforehand. I just thought of it. But um, but the like a GPS trackers, they usually are, require a subscription. They connect to the satellite and they transmit uh, you know location for the vehicle. Some newer cars have have it built in to to the car. So mm-hmm. there's that. Um, but as we saw in that that news story from not too long ago from Canada, there was a. Uh, there was a report that some criminals might be using smart tags to target vehicles to steal. They were hiding a smart tag, you know, an Apple uh, Air tag, not smart tag, Air tag, mm-hmm. uh, in in you know, in a vehicle and then tracking it to the house and then stealing it there. But there's nothing that says you couldn't do that yourself. Like put an Air tag right. in your own vehicle or a tile or any of the other commercial consumer trackers, which only works if there's other devices nearby like iPhones or with tile other phones running the tile software that to tell where the vehicle is at any given time but given the popularity of iPhones that's probably a, a good bet that there'll yeah. be an iPhone near that car at some point just be careful you might uh, end up breaking a, a parts uh, chop shop ring you know <laughs> yeah, like, right right your car yeah. ends up in the chop shop yeah. and <laughs> don't go to find your car yourself <laughs> call the exactly. police and tell them i know where my car is yes that would be bad um but yeah so like so but it, you could also just get a professional gps tracker um one that i thought was a fascinating uh, piece of advice was getting a faraday bag not for the car of course <laughs> but for your key fob because you know, there are so you've got your key to, you know the, the the a lot of the newer cars don't have actual keys but they have like a, a a fob it's just a hunk of plastic and electronics that just you bring in proximity to the car and the car will can start and unlock and that sort of thing and mm-hmm. so uh thieves could 
usually uh, could sometimes uh, clone it. They could clone the mm-hmm. signal and then make their own fob. So the suggestion is get a Faraday bag. The Faraday bag, Faraday cage, is a type of metallic, in this case, bag that blocks radio signals. So you put the fob in it, presumably it, you know, it's not so it won't transmit, and then it prevents someone from cloning it. And of course, you got to take it out of the bag to use it. But. Right. I mean, really, you could wrap your fob in tinfoil and it would do the exact same thing. A bag is just a bit of a nicer solution. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I know. I suppose if I've got a Mercedes, I need to get the uh, Mercedes <laughs> monogrammed a, Faraday yeah. bag. <laughs> yeah. You've got a car enough, good, good enough to have an RFID. It's if probably good a, to have If you have bag. a Corolla, you use the tinfoil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, tin foil. Like the, uh, the college student Faraday bag. Yep. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I think this is one to, to kind of note, too. It's, it's not complicated tech. It's complicated enough that it requires a little bit of sophistication. But it's something that you could fit into uh, a satchel on your side. And all the person would have to do is walk up beside you and rub up against your your side that you put the key into as you got out of your car. And that easily they've cloned your RFID mm-hmm. and are yeah. able to, to, to use that signal to get into your car. And the the crazy thing about it is, is that that not only does that open the door to your car, but it also typically starts your car as well. Right. So for a lot of cars, it's it's both and. Right. Tim, again, typically in the higher end of cars, but that's getting more common these days. Uh, so and then there's some things like were around when I was first learning to drive, like uh, steering wheel locks. Uh, what was there was a brand name for that. I forget what it was, but uh, it's so it's just, it, it's it looks like a bike lock, but it's got a, like a little locking device in the middle and two hooks facing outward. And you just put it in the wheel in you know, in the steering wheel and you pull it out and lock it in and. The way it, the way it safeguards your car is you can't turn the wheel while you're sitting in the driver's seat while it's while it's on there and it's made from steel so it, you'd have to cut it off to to get it to get out now it's thieves have been known to cut uh, steering wheels in order to if they really want the the vehicle but um, but yeah so steering wheel locks there's also pedal locks ones where which instead of uh, going around just the steering wheel that reach down from the steering wheel to like the brake pedal. And hold it so you can't push the brake in, uh, making the car you can't drive the car. And then there's even like tire locks or you know the uh, the Denver boot is what we used to call it. Uh, but <laughs> you, you can buy you can buy it for your own car, um, and it and you can put it on there. That's really more of a I think it would be a long term solution. Like if you're leaving your car for a period of time, like you're going away. Yeah. yeah. I can't. I can't see you doing that. Like you're in your business suit and you've got your your boot that you're trying to unlock from your car. It just doesn't right. seem logical. I think the boot would be a deterrent too, just because people would assume the police had already tagged your car. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You could put a whole bunch of uh, papers under the wind, uh, wiper. You know, make yeah. it look like that the cops have been there with tickets. Uh, but the big thing of this is the cost and benefit. It's like the the cost and complexity and time. Like if you've got that's one of the things like when I had a steering wheel lock when I was younger, I never put it on because it was such a pain to like you have to, you know, fish it out from the back seat and put it on there and you had the key and get it, you know, get it out. And then you come back. You're like, oh, I got to unlock the thing and get this out of the way. And you're just like, I'm just going to the store for a minute. I don't want to have to hassle with that. Mm -hmm. You know, so the more the more hassle it is to use the less likely you are to use it and so while it's cheaper and lower tech it may not be as effective at safeguarding your vehicle as some maybe perhaps a higher tech uh, solution would be so there's something to keep in mind so thomas you had uh something you wanted to say about also about um car updates the uh yes the computer 
Yeah, so I, I think a lot of people forget that uh, modern cars have computers in them, and those computers are largely uh, in some way or another connected to the Internet, uh, especially in um, cars that are like, I know that all, all the VW cars have some signal that goes back. So if you've ever wondered how you ended up getting that service uh, email from your dealer uh, right at the time that you were coming up on that umpteen thousand mile service, that's how it is, is because there's something in the car that's kind of phoning home and that computer does need updates occasionally so two things that you should make sure you're doing is first off if you take it to a mechanic that's not your dealer uh, make sure that they are aware of and are running updates that come from the dealer on your car they should be doing it it's part of the the maintenance that they're doing because they have to access the computers anyway and to do that, they typically have to get an update. And I mentioned this because I was sent to my dealer from my regular mechanic who works on uh, my model of car. And they sent me back to the to the dealer to get an update run because they couldn't get into the computer anymore because this update had run and their software was not allowing them to get into the older version of the software that was still mm. on my car. And two reasons for that one it's just better for your car because in the long run that computer keeps information that you that your mechanic needs to know in order to fix things but also those updates can be security updates because lately there have been hackers that have been hacking into these systems remotely and able to access information about the car but also access uh parts of the car that are connected to this so if there is any any uh kind of uh speed control that's connected to this computer that's also connected to the internet component then and it's unsecured in any way the hacker can get in and possibly change the speed of your car while you're driving so be aware of those updates and make sure that they are being run on your vehicle very good yes our cars are now rolling computers and you mm -hmm. <laughs> don't break your car because <laughs> that could be very bad. Uh, yeah. Keep, keep your, you have, we have to update everything everyone. You have to, I saw someone had a, you know, a, a refrigerator that had internet access and it, it had like the screen on it and an error message and need to update your security certificate for your fridge. This is the world we're living in these days. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's all about all I had for all the different, uh, uh, car security tech that I could think of. I've got a couple of links to some um, uh, rec like lists of best security cameras, best car day theft devices, that sort of thing. I'll put in the show notes. Uh, any other uh, security car security thoughts uh, to share on on that, uh, guys? I think that pretty much covers it. So, but if the listeners, if you have any uh, ideas for car security that you've got, uh, I mean, I didn't talk about like putting it in your garage and having, you know, garage door security, that's more home security. Plus I don't have a garage in my house. So even if I did, it would be full of stuff and I wouldn't be able to put my car in anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's, that's how that goes. But uh, if you've got ideas or questions about car security tech, we've, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at technology at sqpn.com. So before we move on, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Sam W., Julia W., Karen M., Isaac K., and Bennett G. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So, uh, 
few headlines, but I want to start up first by saying that Apple has released a bunch of uh, security updates, speaking of security updates, for all of their devices, iOS, iPadOS, macOS, watchOS, Apple TV, HomePod, everything has gotten an update. There must have been some security bug that really needed to be fixed. Um, mm-hmm. There was a Safari uh security leak that they were uh, fixing that uh, that is involved as well. So I would uh, definitely um, get those done if you have uh, uh, Apple devices. But let's move on to the, our, the rest of our headlines, though. So here's one. Um, Meta, which is the, as we know, the new name for Facebook, has a the fastest AI supercomputer in the world, or it will be the world's fastest by the end of 2022. That may not be as impressive as it sounds because it's an AI supercomputer as opposed to a regular supercomputer. Uh, so the, the what the article says is, um, well, first, my question is, has no one read a dystopian novel involving supercomputers? Because <laughs> Facebook having an AI supercomputer just sounds like a bad idea. But what? <laughs> but it's interesting to me that uh, the most powerful supercomputers out there used to be used to build model nuclear explosions, you know, for nuclear physics and that sort of thing. Uh, but apparently this, an AI supercomputer super is a different kind of beast, right? Uh, Thomas, you, you know a lot about the, these things, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit. And, and before we start, I want to clarify, because <laughs> this bothers the heck out of me. Yeah. AI and machine learning are not the same thing. So artificial intelligence and machine learning are not the same thing. And what they are talking about here is machine learning. It's a, a machine learning computer. The the line gets blurred all the time, but an, an AI must be aware of its surroundings, of its environment, and capable of making solutions that are that come up in the environment that it's in. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about as a computer that just takes a whole bunch of data, eats it real fast, makes conclusions based on previous data that it's been given, and then spits it back out. So it's a computer just doing a really fancy, like, kind of human thing. And that's why it's blurring those lines. But it, I'm, I'm a stickler for this. It bothers the <laughs> heck out of me when people say AI. <laughs> All right. All right. Good. <laughs> so and and it's very similar to what the what the old modeling computers did but the thing that it's doing that's interesting and why this makes it kind of a new and and uh an interesting space is that it's taking many more dimensions of information and making conclusions from those many more dimensions with facebook it's obviously like you know what you're interested in who you're connected to all of these other data points that make up a model of who you are and then connecting that to other people or to businesses particularly and what they're selling. And that's that's where this is interesting because it's creating this bigger model of not just a nuclear explosion in this case, which is very limited in scope and in space, but of a of a human's a, a online construct, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they said that uh some of the things they want to use it for is to train it in content moderation, like to detect hate speech or that sort of thing, which frankly they need help with because their mm-hmm. their current <laughs> methods for de- auto detecting, you know, uh, bad speech um, are terrible because there's there's plenty of false positives out there. Um, mm-hmm. But also, like they said, helping design their, their future um, VR systems because they you know the whole metaverse thing and uh and all that sort of stuff so it's kind of interesting to see that uh they had they they talk about how big this is i mean this is when they talk about supercomputer it's really like a data center it's like a building Mm -hmm. 
And um, they, they, they said when they reach their, like the, by mid 2022, by mid this year, that they, they will have um, 6,080 NVIDIA GPUs, these NVIDIA A100 GPUs. And it's like, if you've been having trouble getting a, a GPU for your uh, <laughs> home built PC, this might be one of the reasons why. Now, these are not home <laughs> gaming PC GPUs necessarily, but that's where a lot of the chip manufacturing is going into this sort of thing. So uh, mm. it's, it's kind of wild. It's interesting to see, though, that uh, um, it's an interesting article to check it out. You definitely, you know, from our, the, our links to kind of get a sense of what, you know, what's the what kind of supercomputers they're building. Um, why would Facebook, you know, need a, a supercomputer? And, and it explains some of that. So it's pretty cool. I really want to see the architecture. Like I, 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 the article was neat because it's talking about, you know, the, the really, really high level of things, but I want to see how, how they are building these things to connect to each other. Like is each one of these uh, pieces a node in the machine learning piece, or are there multiple nodes on site on, uh, on the thing that then did like, like, is it a Congress of machine learning machines, <laughs> which would be incredible. I'd love to see what exactly they're doing with it. Yeah, there's a blog post linked from the Verge article um, that might have more data. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't have some kind of white paper about it. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, they have ooh some pictures too. So nothing, nothing too extensive in the pictures, but um, there is more information at the their blog post about it. So then uh, the next headline is uh, still talking about big uh, tech companies. This one's about Intel. Uh, there was a big splash in the news the other day, I mean, including President Biden talking about it, about Intel is building a multi-billion dollar uh, chip manufacturing plant in Ohio. It'll be the first one built on U.S. soil in 40 years, the first new one, um, so on and so forth. Um, and while it's it's kind of a a good a big deal, it's not a it's not as big a deal as they make it out to be. Um, this isn't going to solve the current problems with supply chain issues for CPUs and cars and appliances. And this, this, this it, it's going to take years to build. It's only so big. But what do you guys think of this story? And I mean, is it a big, is this a big deal or is this? I mean, I think just in terms of bringing like manufacturing back to the U S it's a big deal. And it's nice to see that mm-hmm. like, if you if you open up like an old Commodore sixty four, all those chips were built in Texas. Um, right, you don't get that anymore. Everything else is built overseas, and the in it's mostly contracted through Foxconn. So it's nice to see computer manufacturing being brought uh, domestically again. Um, I know, uh, like you mentioned, a lot of people have been talking about the whether or not this can impact the chip shortage, and that has to do with getting the materials themselves. So it doesn't even have to do with where you're building the stuff. So it has no bearing on that. But I think it's a, I think it's a good thing to see, and I hope that this is a trend that continues. Yeah, I think trend is the is the key. I think I'd like to see right. more, more, and more companies doing this sort of thing, bringing this stuff here, and because not just because it, you know give jobs to Americans, but also just because it's better to manufacture things here and not in countries next to giant co- countries that might invade them like Taiwan, right. mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Or just to, to centralize the, the production of these things so that we have at least some of them internally to our country. Cause that's, you know, I, I I'm all about the, the, the American jobs, but also the fact that there is 
almost nothing being produced here that is a chipset that's going into something here. So mm-hmm. we design mm-hmm. them all here. We send the design somewhere else. It gets built and then shipped back to us. Right. And and so that's that's a major flaw because if anybody decided that they wanted to stop producing or stop sending those items to us, there's not really anything we can do in an immediate sense to ramp that production up and get it going. Right. Or if you have a backlog at at uh, ports like Port of Long Beach or Port of Miami, whatever, mm-hmm. like we just have, you know, that, yes, you're they're manufacturing them and they're sending them to us, but they can't get them off the boat because we can't get the boats into the harbor. So, yeah. Yep. So it's kind of a it's kind of it's it's a good it's a good deal. It's not like mind blowing. Then the president is talking about it, solving all the problems. Uh, it's not that kind of a big deal, but it's it's a good thing. I will say another thing about it, too. I like the fact that it's a high tech production in the U.S. because that's something that we've been really bad about in mm-hmm. in a long term sense that most of the the factory production that we've had in the U.S. over the last couple of decades has been geared towards low tech. And I mean, like cars and just devices like that are very low tech. And yes. Yeah. And so it's, it's almost resources instead of actually the stuff that we use. Right. On a regular basis. Yes. Yes. And they talk about like it's going to provide a bunch, you know, a thousand jobs at the plant and the average salary would be one hundred thirty five thousand dollars. And so they're good paying jobs. And, you know, that's I mean, that's that's good to see. It's good to see. So the uh, so our next headline is uh, this one that's out of Washington State. So as of January 1st in Washington State, the law is that when you sell your home, in addition to giving information about plumbing and insulation and, you know, the structural defects and the utilities, you also have to include information about the, the your Internet connection of the house that you're selling and the provider that you've been using. And that's kind of interesting. It, it kind of tells us a little something about the world we're living in today, which is that a, a broadband Internet connection is a lot in, nowadays as vital to our homes as the electricity and the plumbing and the insulation. Uh, what do you guys think of this? I mean, is this something that should spread? Does it, does it, is it meaningful? Does it, you know, does knowing what the last owner had for internet provider make a difference? I think if you care enough about it, you're going to be able to look that up in about 20 seconds. Yeah. So, I mean, sh- sure, but I don't think it really matters to be honest. On the turn of that, I'm going to say that at my house, we have an experience with the providers, both the two providers that we have in our area that are, you know, the, the two competing providers, one of them is fine. The, the service works, but their customer service is so abysmally bad that I will not use them, mm. even though they sometimes tend to be cheaper and the service is actually better. The other company that I like the service of, I use, but every time it rains, their wires, something about the wires in the backyard uh-huh. <laughs> makes it so that the connection goes down. It gets interrupted. It goes down. I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. And it's something that you wouldn't know unless you lived here and, and that, that you've experienced it. So it's something that you could, you know, you can look up the speeds and things like that, but you can't right. tell the physical state of the house that you're in. On the same token, though, I would think that that would be something that you just get information from when you're talking to the homeowner, because that would be the same thing as like on windy days, the electricity goes out because the cable gets messed up and that wouldn't be included in what what uh, 
electricity provider you're going from. So I think really it boils down to when you're buying a house, make sure you have all the information, like all the different, you know, jiggle the handle kind of tips that you need to get from the homeowner. And I think if you're worried about the internet, that's going to be that kind of thing that goes into it. Actually, even like having your home, the, when you hire a home inspector, because you should always hire a home inspector before you buy a house is that should be one of the things he's looking for is Mm -hmm. the internet connection. Where's it come in? What kind of connection is there now? That sort of thing. I mean, you could, Come up to my house and look at the side of the house and say, oh, he's got Verizon. You know, he's got a Verizon fiber optic cable going into his house. So that must be what their their his Internet is. I mean, that's so there's that sort of information. Uh, I'm not sure you need a law for that, but it's kind of interesting. You know, uh, by the way, Thomas, speaking of the the every time it rains, the Internet goes out. I had this problem when I uh, lived at a prior place uh, and I had uh, Comcast cable coming into the house and it kept going out and I kept calling and calling and they'd have to send a guy out and they have to replace, you know, fix whatever's in the box that's shorted out. There's a box on the pole and something inside that keeps shorting out till finally I'm like, I need someone who knows what they're doing. I want like a supervisor. And I got to talking to, to like a supervisory engineer. He personally came out, climbed up and said, the box is leaking. <laughs> Like <laughs> the box on the pole itself is leaking. So every like so they're replacing the thing inside, the technology uh-huh. inside, but they're not fixing the very low tech seal on the box. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's so something that uh, only an experienced, you know, guy, the super the senior guy would think of probably. I might have to do that next. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you just climb up there and just like seal it yourself with like a with like some uh, what uh what's that that tape uh, that everyone's using these days the Oh, the the guy with the guy puts it on the boat. You know what I mean? He slaps it on to oh, the flex, leak. flex, uh, flex, flex seal. tape. Yeah, <laughs> yes, flex seal. Throw some flex seal around that. No, nothing's getting inside. No. <laughs> nice. So I thought that was interesting. So and then uh, our last headline is one that uh, I I thought you guys would get a kick out of because it's a space one, and none of you guys are into space too. Um, so uh, NASA is going to be sending the unmanned Artemis spacecraft to the moon to orbit the moon. Um, it's it's the precursor to the return to the moon by with manned landings. Uh, so they're sending an unmanned craft first. But on this mission, they're including a uh, Amazon Alexa on board. Hmm. Um, it's it's a technology demonstration. It's not actually going to be controlling anything. Thank, thank the Lord. Uh, but uh, it's especially hardened technology, especially to it's not just like they didn't just grab an echo off the shelf and throw it in, in, in the thing and plug it into the USB port. Um, it's a special thing. And what they're going to do on the trip is they're going to be testing it. So guys back in Mission Control will be virtual astronauts and using it to to I don't know what they that they say they're going to do like I don't know what it, like turn the lights <laughs> on and off I I don't know exactly but they're going to have it do stuff and the idea is that we want to get to where Star Trek was right you know mm-hmm. where in fact they say that in the article that start the Star Trek computer was one of the original inspirations for Alexa so uh, so they want to get to the point where astronauts can use Alexa or some similar technology to do things when they're in on space missions. What, what do you guys think? Of the... I, I just can't, I can't get over looking at this, like, um, like sending a monkey into space and just, you know, like sending a signal to the monkey and telling it to do something. And I don't <laughs> mean to, to compare say, yeah. Alexa to a monkey, but, um, <laughs> but that's just, that's just so much what, when I was reading this article, I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's what they're doing is they're sending a trained monkey into space to that's do a, stuff for basically. them. Apparently. Yeah. But I mean, to be fair, like, 
most of the reason probably any of us like the smart home device is because it makes us feel like we're on the Starship Enterprise. Sure. Oh, 100%. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Well, yeah, I, I was just thinking like the trying to uh, get it to, you know, Alexa, turn the lights on. I'm sorry, I can't do that, Dave. Ah! <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> well, if you look in the the pictures of the article, the device it has, it's got like this big screen and it's got like these little like glowing blue circle. It does kind of look like Hal. So I don't know how far I trust <laughs> it. But no, it's not. It's Halexa. There you go. Halexa. Nice. <laughs> oh my gosh. That they've created Hal. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, so I just, I, I mean, it's funny to, to, la- to laugh at, but I do like the idea of, you know, looking ahead and saying, you know, we, we need to make our, systems more advanced like when you look at the mm. the the uh, cockpit of the uh um cr- the, the dragon, dragon capsule yeah the the, the uh, spacex dragons capsules those are those look like something out of sci-fi you know the touch mm-hmm, screens mm-hmm. and the and so why not i mean we should be trying to advance and get better i mean frankly i'm kind of hoping that whatever the advances they make in this because it does despite my jokes it does have to work in space better than it does now so maybe that will trickle back to the consumer devices. Exactly. No, but that's that's the way that it always has been, right? I mean, we have Velcro, we have uh, you know dried freeze dried uh, foods, we have all so many things, zippers mm-hmm. from from <clears throat> excuse me from space exploration. So it's it, that's the way this that's the way things get advanced. Is they mm-hmm. they when the, when the situation is life or death, right? It's the necessity is the mother of invention when it has to work because. You know, a, a an astronaut has lost their screwdriver and they need help getting something open and mm-hmm. they can ask Alexa to do it without having to move from where they are. They need it to work. And that's yeah. they're going to figure it out. and They're going to make it happen. Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, yeah, Alexa will be returning to the moon before the rest of us, I guess. And uh, <laughs> one small step for um, small ladies in a can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. All right. So those are our headlines this week. And uh, let's move on to our picks of the week. Uh, Jack, what is your pick? My pick of the week is a program called uh, RetroArch. Um, and what it is, is a front end uh, container for all the different emulators you can use for different games like NES or the Sega games or even like the PS1. Um, and the nice thing about it is, is that it collects all the different emulators in one spot in a easy to use visually appealing package and it gives you the option you don't even have to go and download the emulator itself you can select it from the list and install the emulator and then use that as the core and then you can download the different games or get the different games you want and organize it all together and it gives you like one central place where you can launch all your different emulated games and it's completely free it's open source it runs on uh windows and mac os and linux and it really just simplifies (laughs) yeah it simplifies that process you can even install um like the Commodore 64 uh, and like the old Apple II emulators on there. And they, instead of going through the command line structure that you would use um, or the terminal, you can just run the game straight from there. And it, it just cleans it up and it's makes it a lot, a lot simpler. And it's a fun thing and it's totally free. Cool. I like that. So the emulators are, you have to bring your own emulator. Is that, I mean, your own games, your own ROMs? So, yeah, you have to bring your own ROMs, but all the emulators are basically they have a download list inside RetroArch itself where you just click on it and it installs that. And then you get a drop down where you can pick basically what computer core you're going to run off of. So if you want to do like PS1 games, you just select that and then you point it to where your ROM files are and away you go. 
cool. Oh, I'm going to have to uh, definitely check that out. Um, yeah, excellent. Good pick. Thank you. Thomas, what's your pick? Okay, so keeping with the car theme, um, I have uh, I have this little device. My my mother-in-law, since the pandemic started, she has been stuck inside and she has been become best friends with all the people in QVC. And um, <laughs> so uh, she's been buying a lot of things for us. And one of the things she bought was a thing that uh, my wife and I were both kind of like, oh, well, that's that's a neat novelty item. I, you know, it'll be good to have in the car, but it's a, a halo bolt. And what it is is a car jumper and an inflation system. So it has an air pump inside of it, and it also has a jumper cables on it. And it's a little battery. Uh, you charge it up and just make sure that it stays fully charged before you go out. It's also got a light on it and some other things. I cannot tell you how many times I have used this thing since getting <laughs> really. <laughs> it is it is amazing. Not for myself, even just uh, you know, just this last weekend, my my son was going on a scout trip, and we checked the pressure on the trailer tires, and it was they were all low, and nobody could get their truck over to the the thing to be able to use one of the plug-in air pumps. And so I grabbed this guy and pulled it out. It was only at 50%, but I got all of the tires uh, fully pumped up to 50 PSI within 40 minutes. And I just had to sit it there. The The worst part was that it, it would heat up. The temp of the actual pump itself would heat up too much and it'd have to cool down for a little bit so I could use it again. Didn't even use uh, 20% of the battery to do it. And it worked great. So Wow. Definitely recommend for, I think they're like 200 bucks, but for 200 bucks, it is security in a can. You put it in a bag, leave it in your trunk. Anytime you need it, it's ready to go. Wow. So the one. And I've jumped cars with it too. So yeah. the jumping works as well. <laughs> so the one in the link that uh, that we have is a hundred bucks. I don't think it has the air pump in it. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's yeah. the difference then. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, that's the tricky thing is this air pumps, cars, car, like jumping a car battery that requires more oomph than your typical portable USB charged battery can give. Right. So there has to be designed for that. Uh, I I had a pick of the week a while ago that was similar. It could jump a battery, but it didn't have the extra uh, bits like that. And the, the, the nice thing about that is I don't like connecting my car battery to someone else's car battery mm -hmm. to jump it because I'm always afraid I'm going to do it wrong and blow up my battery. Um, right. <laughs> whereas with this, you're just connecting. The worst that could happen is you mess up this little, the little battery thing, the the halo. Bingo. Um, so that's a great idea. Um, yeah, the trick is to a always have it with you. B always make sure it's charged. So I have a a reminder in my my reminder app to every once in a while to bring it in and make sure it's charged, and then return it to the car. Uh, right. So that it's always there. Yeah, that's a great. Um, it's pretty too. It's. The, yeah, the, they they come in lots of different skins. Like a, you can pick all sorts of different skins for them. So yeah. <laughs> mine's mine's a nice classic uh, gunmetal gray, and <laughs> nice. um, my wife's has flowers all over it. Nice. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's a good pick. That's it's excellent. It's excellent gift to give to like your uh, your kids who are driving now, mm -hmm. uh, college students. That sort of. Thing. I I was a college student a long time ago, and I I remember sitting on on the side of the road on a Pittsburgh highway trying to flag someone down in the pre. Uh, cell phone days, uh, looking for someone to <laughs> give me a jump. Uh, so yep. I know how that is. Awesome. So my pick of the week is a is interesting. It's a little different. It's a YouTube channel called Periscope Films, and uh, the uh, it, it comes with a little story. So Periscope Films is a uh, their historical um, 
historical films of all kinds, whether it's uh, U.S. military, uh, historical, uh, they have ads and that sort of stuff, but they also have like industrial films. So the so the other day, my son was rooting around in my toolbox and he pulled out a, a wrench and he says, what, dad, what does drop forged mean? Because it's what it says on the wrench. I'm like, oh, that's. um, Yeah, I have no idea. Let's. <laughs> and then so what do you do? Let's go to YouTube. And so I, I, I uh, looked up drop forging and I got this film and it's got to be from like the 50s or 60s. And it was excellent. It was an excellent explanation of drop i mean drop forging it's like it's a whole thing where you where you heat up the metal and you pound it in a die to form the shape and that that technology hasn't changed much like in reality in a uh, several hundred years really i mean back in the day it was all uh like water powered the the uh, forges uh now it's you know diesel or, or electric or whatever the, the the hydraulic i guess um mm-hmm. but in any case it was a great a video explaining it and he loved it i loved it i'm like what else do they got and they had other, like how they make steel and all kinds of stuff um they even have a um world war ii cartoons created by dr seuss for the propaganda films like for training films um private snafu which is funny because if you know what snafu really means that's <laughs> kind of funny dr seuss would be involved <laughs> in that um they had uh the they have the whole set of uh why We Fight films by Frank Capra, the Catholic film director who made the It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, so they have all kinds of stuff. So uh, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of historical stuff. There's a lot of um, this interesting technolo- technology stuff. So definitely check it out. It's uh, Periscope Films uh, or Periscope Film. So YouTube.com slash Periscope Film. Um, definitely check that one out. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so that will do it for us this time, I think. Uh, we would love to hear your feedback on anything we've talked about or any ideas or any uh, questions you have about technology that you think we might be able to address. You can comment on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page at facebook.com slash Media, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. You can find links from our discussion and our picks of the week in our show notes at sqpn.com. Remember to like each episode of Secrets of Tech where you find it on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter where we're at sqpn, or leave comments wherever you see us. We Until next time, Thomas Sanerho, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Been great to be here. And Jack Barazzini, thank you as well. Thanks, Tom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Technology on StarQuest.